Welcome to Simple Truth Love, a place where we talk about self-leadership, self-care, and self-love. With the hope that our self-help conversations might inspire you to look at fundamental well-being practices. Here, we'll dissect powerful words and explore how those words can enable or disable us from being our best selves. And contemplate things together that make us be the best we can be. I'm Cindy Bradshaw. And I'm Rochelle Doyle. And today we get to have a conversation with Michelle Tevis. Michelle is a professional certified coach with the International Coaching Federation, specializing in leadership and life coaching. She's the founder of Insight to Empower Coaching. Michelle is on a mission to empower and support women to take charge of their personal and professional lives. Before starting her coaching practice, Michelle spent three decades in the high-tech industry with Apple. She's held several global and regional senior leadership roles and brings that wealth of experience into her practice. And today we are going to be talking about boundaries. A boundary is defined as something that indicates or fixes a limit or extent, a dividing line. Michelle, welcome. We so appreciate you being here today. Why did you choose the word boundaries to dissect today? Well, first of all, thank you, Cindy and Michelle, for having me here with you today. It's an honor to be part of this wonderful topic. And I chose boundaries as a word because as I was looking at what am I going to do in 2022 with my business and within my personal life, the word boundary resonated with me because in order to be a great coach, I realized I needed to set boundaries within my own private practice around like my time limits with my clients. When was I going to be available to them? When was payment expected? And so on and so on. So boundaries play a role in all of our aspects of life and the things that we do. So Rochelle, what makes you think about boundaries? I kind of internalized that boundaries are something that I need for myself because I like to do and try everything. And I get into being so busy that I don't give enough of myself to whatever it is that I want to do. I know that I can't complete everything in the world. So when I thought about boundaries this year and building my best 2022, I thought about recognizing that every time you're saying yes to something, you're saying no to something else somewhere along the lines and thinking about, okay, what is it that I'm saying no to when I'm saying yes to somebody? Cindy, how about you? Going into the year 2022, I really want to set clear expectations with others so that I can really move forward, creating my best life possible. And it really, for me, comes down to power. So am I giving away my power or am I kind of taking control of a situation that works best for me? That's how I'm going into 2022 with boundaries. Who or what? is challenging your power. Sometimes I want to be nice or be a good friend. And I feel that doing that is more important than doing something that I need to do for myself. And so it's really a shift for me and sort of the way I've been raised, the way I've always gone about things. It's a shift that I know needs to happen in my life. And so it really takes practice to do something different than you've been doing for 53 years. <laughs> so what kind of impact can boundaries have on building self-care, self-love, and self-leadership? I think that building a boundary 
does help a lot with self-care and self-love, right? Because you're putting yourself first and you're putting your needs and your wants and your feelings before you do something else for someone else. And so if my cup is not full, if I don't feel healthy in a good space with inside myself, it's very hard for me to give. Mm-hmm. Naturally, I'm a people pleaser. So I will naturally give of myself without even thinking about it. And, you know, I'm driving going, what did I just get myself into? I really don't want to do this. Why did I say yes? And by the time I get there, then I'm not in a great hit space. And I'm really not coming from my heart with a good place of serving, right? Yeah. What about you? I thought about it in terms of working at a restaurant. If you get sat with one table, you're able to take amazing care of that table. You can make sure they get their appetizers, make sure they get their drinks and have time to engage with them. And then you get a second table. Then if you get a third table, you're a little bit busier and you have a little bit less time to give them. And then if you take on a fourth table and a fifth table, if you have 10 tables, then nobody's getting what they need and you're running around like a chicken with your head cut off. So you need to focus even more. And you need to avoid burnout. Cindy, how about you? Yeah, I think boundaries are the ultimate self-care, self-love, and self-leadership. If you don't have boundaries, you can't be at your best for other people. And then I find that when you have resentment, then you start avoiding the other person. And it starts taking away from the values of who I want to be as a person. A great example when... My kids were really little. We moved into a brand new neighborhood. And then someone moved in. She had three kids. Her husband was working a lot. We became friendly. Then it became, can you pick up my medicine and take my kids? And it just got to be so it wasn't mutual anymore. And then I was avoiding this person. And she finally moved. That's how I got out of this. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, this is how bad my boundaries were. And I was so resentful of this person asking me to do things, but I couldn't say no because I felt sorry for her. But it was so taking away from my values and what I needed. So you have to figure this out. I come from a long line of people not being able to have boundaries. So Michelle, why do you think that is for people? It's uncomfortable to set a boundary. And boundaries take a lot of thought. It takes a lot of effort for you and how you ask the person for that or tell the person that you need that boundary. And it takes work. I call boundaries like having that infamous two-year-old. You have to keep reiterating it over and over and over again to change the behavior. Mm -hmm. It's hard for people. Mm -hmm. It's exhausting. I think it depends too on the level of comfort you feel with the person because there's boundaries that you're trying to set with strangers. And that's one level of difficulty And then setting boundaries with people that you really care about or setting them with your coworkers, they all look different. But two, as women, we're taught often to acquiesce and to not make noise. And so we've got generational trauma and also conditioning telling us not to be seen, not to speak up too much. And now it's causing headaches. Well, I also want to say, I think two years of a pandemic has also kind of thrown people into this vein of the space. Mm -hmm. So you're forced to kind of set some boundary, right? And think about it. People get too close to you. You're either moving over or you're saying to them, excuse me, you're a little bit too close to me. So it's kind of throwing us into having to set 
a boundary unnaturally. Mm -hmm. And an example of that, I was in the grocery store getting some fruit and I had my cart there. And of course, you know, you're all masked up. And I think at that point, that's when they're talking about going with gloves on in the grocery store. I never went that far, but people were. And I was getting some things from my cart and this little old man comes behind me and he literally moves my cart. And normally I would not have said anything. It would not have bothered me. We're in the midst of the first year of COVID. And I think I just lost it in the grocery store. <laughs> I said, Excuse me, sir. You just touched my cart. You just contaminated my cart with your hands. <laughs> Don't touch my cart. And then we had this meltdown. And everybody's turning around, looking at me, you know. <laughs> and he looked at me and I felt so bad. And I got in the car and I said to him, I went, oh my God, what just happened? But why do you think you felt bad? Because I wouldn't have normally have like stepped out and said, you touched my stuff. I would have just been like frustrated on the inside, like, ah, you could have asked me to move my cart. Or you could have said, man, your cart's in the way, I'm going to move it, right? Something. I felt he needed to acknowledge me and he didn't. He just moved my cart. And I felt at that time, to me, it was taboo. Don't touch my stuff. Yeah. It was like it threw me into this whole <laughs> state. And I had to really get in the car after I paid and got out because I contemplated Hmm. He touched my cart. Is my stuff contaminated? Do I want my stuff in my cart? <laughs> Do I want to abandon my cart in the produce section and start over and go someplace else? It took me to that place. But when I got in the car, I went, that little old man didn't mean anything. He didn't even know what he was doing. He just, but you reacted like I felt like a complete fool. <laughs> and I came home and I was telling my husband about it. He just started busting <laughs> That is so out of character for you. I know, but I think I'm having a reaction to COVID right now. I think fear. Fear kicked in. My family calls it my volcano because, of course, I hold it in and then all of a sudden the volcano erupts, right? So fear of a pandemic and we've all been through that and experienced like this fear place that kind of erupts all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. And I realized at that point, that was a boundary for me. Don't get in my space. Don't touch my things. So now I realize that what I do say to people is, I appreciate you wanting to be this close, but you're a little bit too close. Could you back up a little bit? Well, and it's so great, Michelle, that you went back home and said, I didn't handle that right. And then you thought it through and how it would look the next time somebody touched your cart. That is so important to learn from when you're not at your best self or when you're not living up to the values you set for yourself to go back and say, how can I do a redo on this next time? That's the beauty of boundaries. So you may establish a boundary and realize, oh, maybe that's not the right boundary for me. And you can go back and reassess it and recommunicate it out. It's a constant evolution. And boundaries are not static. They're going to change as you grow and change. That's an interesting part of this whole thing is in the story that you're telling, your boundary is the same. And I'm with you. If that person would have touched my cart in the beginning of the pandemic, I would have been horrified and probably had to say, excuse me, grocery store, I have to leave because this man has contaminated my stuff. <laughs> but it's not the boundary that has to change. It is how you communicate the boundary that you're unhappy with. And that's something I think we all have to work on because sometimes you're coming from a place of anger, right? That's pretty much what starts the boundary. 
is you have done something that makes me uncomfortable. You have done something that surpasses what it is that I think is appropriate in communication or in action. And now I need to explain to you how this is inappropriate and how it cannot happen again. Yeah. You know, when I coach my clients on setting a boundary, I always tell them, try not to set a boundary from a place of anger. If you feel that you need to set a boundary in that space, it's always easy to say, you know what, I can't have a conversation with you at this time, but I will talk to you about this tomorrow and go away and reflect on what happened, reflect on what your needs are and what your wants are, and then go back and have that conversation with the person. Because you may realize, oh, maybe I played a role in that some way. (laughs) You know, I need to readjust myself as well. Very smart. I have a question on that. On taking a step and walking away, I think that there's often people who have two different styles of communication. And one is we are in the moment and we must go through this. And the other is I need some time so I don't react in a way that I will regret later. And I'm very much the person that will say, you know what? I may need a day. I may need two days. But right now, I feel disrespected. I feel emotional. And I don't want to come from this place. Other people wanting to honor both sides of the conversation feel as if the communication is being halted. They feel as if the person is putting up a wall. Do you have any advice for those two different personality types and how they might work together? I think that someone's going to feel like there's a wall put up. I mean, I don't think there's really a way around it, but I think it's more of how you communicate it. It's like, I value what you have to say and I value your input to this, but I really need some time to think about this and process this so that I don't say something that I will regret. So it's better to pause. Sometimes somebody's going to feel like the conversation's being halted, like, I'm that person. I will feel like I want to have the conversation, right? I want to get in there. I want to talk about this. And my partner isn't, right? So he has to process. You learn that over time. So now I know, plan it and go. Mm -hmm. And there's a huge difference when the message comes from a loving centered place versus an angry, fearful place. And an example of this is the other day, my son said, can you loan me some money until I get this other money? And right away, I want to go into my mom thing, but I just said, no. And then he goes, that's cool. That's great. Thanks, mom. It was like completely different because I just created that boundary before I was asked this. I said, I'm not going to do this anymore. And then when I was asked, I said, no. And he completely respected my answer. And I think it's because it came from a different place than normally. It's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you're asking me this again or (laughs) coming from more of that volcano place. Yeah, I have learned over time as my children are grown, but when they were teenagers or in their early 20s, I was seeing a therapist. And so the therapist said to me, you know, they're not little anymore. You know, you need to really understand what your role is with them. And I'm like, my role, I'm their mother. What are you talking about? And he's like, no, 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 no. Your role has shifted and changed and you need to have a different kind of conversation with them. And so he said, there are three questions that you need to ask them when you're presented something. Question one is, so are you coming here with this because you want me to just listen? Are you coming here because you need me 
to give you some advice? Or are you coming to me because you need me to take action? And if you need me to take action, what kind of action is that that you need me to take? And it was establishing my role and was also establishing a boundary with us. And oh my God, that like shifted the whole thing. And I would ask them those questions when they call. And a lot of times they just wanted to vent. So half the time, I'll be honest, I didn't hear half of what they were saying. It was just (laughs) one ear and out the other because so that plays through in everything in life, right? So I even asked that question, okay, am I just listening and you want my advice? Do I have to take action? And if it is, what is it? You know, so I'll ask those questions as an adult with other adults, because it helps me to establish what my role is. And then it helps me to control my own people-pleasing side, jumping in, taking over. And they really don't want you to take over. They just want to be able to vent. (laughs) Yeah. It's a really neat opportunity to give somebody the opportunity to set their own boundaries in a conversation. Mm -hmm. I thank you so much for that advice because I have a 21 and a 22-year-old. So I am in this place of I was your mother and we had one role and now you're wanting to be adults and I have a new role. And asking those questions, I am definitely going to use that as a tool in the future because I always want to fix things for my kids because I've been the mom and that's the role I've played. But I have to play a new role now. Many times they just want to vent. And when I give them suggestions, they look at me like, I don't want you fixing this for me or taking action for me, or I'm an adult, let me do this on my own so I can learn. And it's just such a shift for me that I'm going through right now. So I really appreciate you saying that because I'm definitely going to lead with those three questions from here on out. (laughs) (laughs) It helps. So there's several types of boundaries in general. You have your emotional boundaries that you need to think about setting. You have material boundaries, time boundaries. Time boundaries are big for me. Intellectual boundaries, and of course, sexual boundaries. And then how you approach each one of those types of boundaries will depend on the relationships that you're in. So for me, time boundaries are big because I always have people pulling me for time. And so when you get people who are late coming the calls, It challenges you and your boundary because I want to start right on time. So I've been challenged in my practice with time boundaries. The challenge is the fact that I work for another company and their coaching sessions are 30 minutes. In my private practice, my sessions are an hour, right? So we can spend more time Mm -hmm. being fluid in our conversations and me asking different types of questions and you know, trying to understand where they're coming from. With a 30 minute, you don't. It's like, what are you coming to the call for? What do you want to take away from the call? Okay, we're like, got five more minutes, we need to wrap up. And you're like, this machine. I realized, wow, after spending 30 years of being a machine in the tech world, I realized I didn't want to be a machine in my private practice. Mm. I have really struggled with time boundaries in the past but they're so important to me. Like you, I'm definitely the one that will always be at the airport two hours before, always be on something way early so that I'm professional at all times. And it's very hard for me when somebody shows up late and I do a lot of calls with people on a daily basis for my work. 
you know, it's hard sitting on there for 10 minutes and nobody's arrived. And that's my time. I could be doing other things. And of course, with work, you kind of have to chalk it up to that hour was for work. I'm getting paid for that. That's okay. But in my personal life, I really have to say to people, which is hard for me, but I do it now. I can't have coffee with you if you're not going to be there on time because I have a time constraint. I have to be done by 1230 today. So I've found that that has really helped me. And I'm working out that time boundary muscle. And I've really I've changed my work situation this year because there were absolutely no boundaries. And I was working like 50 to 80 hours a week. And I can't do that anymore. That is not how I want my life to look. I love my work and I love the place that I work for, but it doesn't work for me. So I need to give within the hours that I'm willing to give. And they've been very supportive of that. So I feel very fortunate. I also think it's the type of thing that I worked for years not saying anything. And then I said something and everyone went, okay, great. And it was shocking because in my mind, you know, don't believe what you think, right? You have to have boundaries in your own mind too, because your mind will tell you, oh, they'll never let you do this. This is not okay. You'll have this whole story. That isn't true. And then when I just put myself out there and asked, it happened. And I'm living it now. So you can do it. What about you, Rochelle? In contrary, I don't mind when people are late, usually. If it's something egregious, then I start to get irritated. But usually, it doesn't bother me when people are late. I think it's probably because of my lack of personal boundaries with myself and work that I appreciate any 10 minutes I have to catch up on emails or take a breath or get a cup of tea. However, the caveat is the expectation that I need them to have is that the meeting is still going to end on time. And if there's any work that hasn't been able to be resolved in a meeting, that they do something to help resolve that situation. So if we had an hour meeting planned and you're 20 minutes late for that hour meeting, fine, I get it. Do not expect that I'm going to stay 20 minutes later. And that's when I get offended that people don't honor my own time because I have meetings back to back often. So I am not going to shift my entire day and be late for other people because you were late for this particular meeting. I understand it happens all the time. And I need you to honor the space that we're in with grace and have it be not impacting the rest of our days. That's interesting. You triggered me to think about, you know, a situation when I was at Apple, we had one leader who was 10 to 20 minutes late all the time. Mm -hmm. But the expectation was that you stay with 10 to 20 minutes after. So it just would throw that whole domino effect right into the rest of your schedule because most leaders are in back to back to back to backs throughout the day. And that was not managed very well on anyone's part because of who the leader was. You just kind of was like, okay. Yeah, that's definitely happened with me too. And in repercussion in terms of boundaries is that then you're compromising who you are and being late for a series of other people. Mm -hmm. That butterfly effect. So then my next person, for me, I might be speaking with a major donor who assumes that I am a late person to a meeting to ask them for a gift. That's not okay with me. I agree. And it's not going to be effective at the end of the day. That's when the boundary has to come in for me. Well, and I think this is a great example of power. So when you work for someone else, they're paying you, right? So if they want you to sit in a meeting for two hours, you're sitting in a meeting for two hours, whether you had other things to do or not. 
So for me right now, it's how can I take my power back in a way with work? I can ask for a new work situation with friends. You know, I can't control anyone else. So if they're always late, I can control that I might not want to have lunch with this person anymore because I have a tight schedule. That's all you can do. You kind of have to let people be who they are. You can't really change them, but you can change how you deal with the situation. And I think that's the important part of the power is like, how do I take back my power in these situations as best I can? Yeah, you're absolutely right. Because they're not going to tell you to not work, right? They're not going to tell you to not sit another 20 minutes in that meeting. They're not going to tell you those things. So it's how do you set your boundary for yourself and you take your power back, like you said, and manage it that best works for you. Like you said, you were surprised when you started reestablishing your work hours and your schedule, how open they were to it. That is such an interesting part. When you start to see that, oh, it's me, I've been caring the most. And meanwhile, watching other people around me go on vacation, leave early, do all these other things, and assuming, oh, if I did that, they would say something about it. No, they wouldn't. They don't care. They're not paying attention to you. (laughs) Don't believe what your mind tells you is such a great statement because so many times I've seen other people have really good boundaries and I'm sort of resentful of them. I'm like, why does she get to go on vacation? She doesn't have to go to that meeting. She isn't on this call. It's because she has good boundaries. So what advice do you have on how to set boundaries? There are steps that they talk about people can do, like what setting a boundary look like. Like a simple example, please knock before you come in. That's a boundary. Right. Or I pick up emails at 8 o'clock and 3 o'clock every day. Exactly. Or I really want to have lunch with you, but if you're not on time, Mm -hmm. I can't have lunch with you because I have a really full schedule after lunch. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's just a practice, right? You start with something. No means no, but you can also say things like, I don't want to, I don't feel like that. Mm -hmm. I'm uncomfortable with, I'm not in a place to have a conversation with you right now. Or as we were talking about time, it could be, you know what? I have between this time and this time that I can give you, are you free in that time? Mm. Like I'm only willing to give you an hour of my time. It's this time and this time. So you set the parameters of when it is. And on that, something that I've been trying to practice this year is letting no be the full sentence. I've often felt like I've had to over explain what it is that I'm doing, especially in work. It's not your business at all. No, you don't understand. I have a gyno appointment and (laughs) I've had a UTI for a while. And it's really, if you could please, I'm so sorry for my existence but I'm not going to be able to stay past four o'clock today. Like not anybody's business. Nobody wants to know. Well, thank you for that example, because really one of the things with setting boundaries, don't over explain your boundary. Mm-hmm. If it's your boundary, you don't have to over justify why it's a boundary for you. Or feel bad. Or feel bad about it. Exactly. No is no. My time is important to me. So I'm only free for this period of time or, you know, I would really like to help you go to get that thing from the grocery store, but I'm not able to do it today. Mm -hmm. So don't justify it and don't apologize for it. 
Can you give a success story or a boundary failure that taught you the importance of having healthy boundaries? I think a boundary failure for me is I didn't set boundaries when I was in the corporate world. And I learned a very valuable lesson that it's important to set boundaries. But when you work in an environment where boundaries are not respected, it's hard to establish a boundary. Hindsight is twenty twenty, right? So as you look back at it and you think, oh my God, I would have been a much healthier person if I would have set some of those boundaries. But if they called you on the weekend, they called you on the weekend. So it was very, very tough environment. But if I talk to anyone in that environment, I try to coach back and say, you know, the lessons I learned from it is that it would be great if you could think about how you could establish some form of boundary around that. Mm -hmm. And especially in your personal space with time. And so you have windows of time that you know in your schedule that you can take. So take that time and go do the things that you need to do for yourself, knowing that tomorrow you may not have that window. So do you have any advice on that for people? like me, who might be hearing this and thinking about boundaries that they need to set that they haven't set with people that you've been in a relationship with for a long time. Maybe I'm recognizing I need to set boundaries at work or with a friend and I've never done it before. Their expectation is that our relationship continue exactly how it is. How do you start setting boundaries with someone who doesn't think that there need to be boundaries? Can you have an honest conversation with them around your feelings, your thoughts, and your wants? Yeah. Practice honoring yourself. Yes. And then have that conversation. And whatever comes out of that conversation can be the starts of establishing the boundaries that you need. It's so important in the corporate world that people recognize your employees are going to be better employees if they can have boundaries and personal time and stop this culture that we have. And when you were talking about working in the tech industry and how it was like 24-7, you had to be on. I've definitely experienced that in several places I've worked. Definitely when I worked in the corporate world, it was at the time of pagers. So, oh, well, I was about to say something about pagers too, but I thought I better not. So that's really dating me. But, but when I was an executive recruiter, I would drive around a lot and my boss would page me and he would page me 911 or 411. 411, he needs information from me. 911 is like emergency. You need to pull over and call me. Well, he was constantly in a 911 frame of mind, I would say. And I'm driving, constantly pulling over, finding a payphone, calling him. (laughs) And it wasn't really that big of an emergency. So I was so irritated because, you know, at times I was all over the Bay Area. I didn't feel safe pulling over right there and calling him. And so I had a conversation with him and he was basically like, too bad, I'm your boss. And if I need something, you're going to pull over and you're going to call me. And so it was just the culture there you know, even talking about it, there was nothing you could do. So Mm -hmm. then you have to question, okay, am I in the job that's right for me? Yeah. And that's the hard thing with those types of jobs, right? Because I call them the golden handcuffs. You have the golden handcuffs and you think, oh, if I just stay in there, I'm going to get X, Y, and Z, right? So it's hard to step out of those things. But when you talked about pagers, I thought the same thing. We would be in a meeting. 
it was a standard meeting and the meeting was supposed to be for two hours and the meeting would go four hours and five hours and we all had pagers and our families were paging us and everyone was <laughs> tiptoeing out of the room to get to a phone, you know, to call their families and say, I'm not going to make it home for dinner. This is not, you know. And so then you'd have all the attitude at home. Yes. Plus you were in this like crazy stressful environment right at work and so it was really hard balancing it now it's happening through text message though so no different right and you know you see it yeah cindy how about you do you have a success story or a boundary failure that taught you the importance of having healthy boundaries i just say really all the stories i've mentioned earlier combined you know i really kind of let other people take the power role. And I just felt like, no, I have to do whatever they say. And it really put me in a miserable place for many, many years. So I really think that people should really reevaluate what they're doing. And, you know, Rochelle and I have been taking this science of well-being class from Yale University right now online. One of the things that I learned from this class is that people are not any less happy if they make $75,000 or more. So basically, you think if you make $200,000, you are going to be happier. Well, they found that obviously, if you make less than that, you struggle more. And so you're not as happy. But $75,000 in today's world is not a humongous salary. It also shows that you don't have to strive to be making, you know, $500,000 a year. You're not going to be any happier. Mm. And I think sometimes people feel like, oh, well, I make such a good paycheck. I can't ever leave this job or I need to stay here so I can make a bigger paycheck. But you know what? Once you're making $75,000, you are going to be okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> Well, you know that saying, the more you make, the more you spend. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we fill up our happiness with materialistic things. Not necessarily that we're truly happy. Rochelle, what about you? My boundaries that have taught me the most lessons are actually internal. The first is my budget boundary. I have noticed that when I start to step away from looking at my finances, I get afraid of even looking at my weekly budget. And then I just start spending more recklessly. And so I've tried to be way more intentional about my own budget boundaries so that I'm able to have more fiscal sustainability, have more fiscal responsibility. And my second boundary, I'm sure you've heard me talk about this before, is a TikTok boundary. I don't know why I get on TikTok at two o'clock in the morning and I won't stop until four o'clock in the morning. And then I'm tired and I'm miserable and I'm grumpy. Gosh, I don't know why I keep doing this to myself. Delete the app. (laughs) I was thinking the same thing. Delete. (laughs) Go cold turkey with it. That sounds painful to her. Get rid of it. (laughs) Well, I was going to say, what is it serving you? I don't know. It's not serving me at two o'clock in the morning, right? Mm -hmm. But I do enjoy the content at six o'clock in the evening. I love, actually, there was a video on TikTok that a man had gotten on there and he was saying a movie theater ticket costs $20 and nobody flinches when somebody says you need to pay $20 to get in this movie. Teach people what you require for interactions mm-hmm. and don't waver from that. And nobody's going to expect any differently. And I thought, Ooh, this is great. So I think there's valuable content. I just need to have boundaries with myself 
fun when they use it. Well, look at that. That was a boundary right there. Mm-hmm. Yep. They set a boundary. You're going to pay 20 bucks. We're not going to deviate from the $20. And we all said, okay, mm-hmm. we'll pay $20 to go to the movies. Mm-hmm. I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop today because of this conversation. I will not TikTok. Uh, <laughs> check on me. <laughs> yes. Oh, gosh. Well, part of it is this is, is a time suck. <laughs> The phone tells you the number of minutes. I mean, done on social. Mm-hmm. You could be shocked. Yeah. Michelle, what do you do when somebody is resisting your boundaries? I think I'm all hurt at first. <laughs> I'm like angry. My first reaction is, what do you mean? But I try to kind of re-have a conversation with them as to why that boundary is important to me and how they are violating that boundary. Now, I'm not going to say that it's easy because it isn't because it doesn't always come out nice. I try to come from a good place with it, but sometimes I'll come from a place of anger, which then triggers a whole nother problem. Mm -hmm. If someone is resisting your boundary, try to come from a good place with it, not with the place of anger. And then to kind of just reiterate why that boundary is important to you. And on the reverse side of that, I would add my gut reaction is to apologize and say, I'm so sorry. This is just something that I really need to do. I have to remind myself, do not apologize for having boundaries in your life. Mm -hmm. I don't have to apologize. Women should take the word sorry out of their vocabulary. (laughs) I agree with you. I'll never forget. I was at a middle school girls basketball game and they're playing basketball going, oh, sorry, sorry. sorry, I hit you with the basketball. And I was just like, this is what's wrong with the world. (laughs) So that meeting that I talked about, that was two hours. I would go five, six hours. We had an executive in that meeting and she was a female, would always go, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And all the people around the room would go, stop saying you're sorry. Because we all worked for her. So we're like, stop saying you're sorry. I catch myself. It's hard. You have to catch yourself. I do it all the time. It's really hard. Another thing when people resist boundaries, I think is important, is acting on what it is you said you would act on. Yes. Yes. Because I feel like that's one of the ways where I struggle. Oh, with kids. When you have kids, it's that whole, I want you to pick up your toys, and then they don't pick up your toys, and then the parent's like, I'm going to count to three, one, two, three, and then they're still not picking up the toys. And if you continue on like that with your kids, they're never going to pick up the toys. So seven, eight, (laughs) nine, nine and a half. (laughs) They don't believe that there's a boundary. They will figure out you don't have boundaries in two seconds. I was terrible volunteering in the classroom because the kids were like, she has no boundaries. I'm going to take total advantage of her. Cindy and I were once put in charge of a first grade class and it took 30 seconds for those kids to get game to the situation. Oh yeah. We were running around trying to gain some assemblance and somebody else came in two minutes later, saw this, assessed the situation was like, no, you two get out of here. We knew why we weren't in teaching at that stage. It was like the kids just went feral and we had no control. And Rochelle and I are running all over the farm trying to find them all. And we said, never again, don't put us in charge of the kids. And someone else came in and in two seconds said, hey, get together. And they all just lined up. We're obedient. We're like, they can do that? Our mouths were dropped open. Like, how did that happen? Kids are smart. 
they know how to work their parents. Mm-hmm. Parents have to be in sync, mm-hmm. right? You have to be consistent. And even if you don't agree with what the other parent is saying at the time, be consistent with them. And then you guys have that conversation later, but they pick up on it quickly. I remember with my girls when they were growing up, you know, they try to work us a lot. Finally, their dad would say, what did your mother say? Yes, but that's the boundary. That was the boundary. And they would say, well, she said no. He says, well, guess it's no. Mm -hmm. This has been a fantastic conversation about boundaries. I'm hoping that we get the opportunity to talk more with you, Michelle. This has been hugely illuminating for my life. Awesome. Cindy, what takeaways do you have from this conversation? Michelle, thank you for this because this is my biggest takeaway from today. And I am going to start using it the second we get off this call. When my children call me in a panicked state about something, I am going to ask the question, do you want me to listen? Do you want me to take action? Or do you want me to give you some advice right now? And I guarantee you they're going to say, just listen, mom. (laughs) So thank you for that. That is a huge takeaway for me. Only other thing is something I tell myself often is you can't save other people. And I spend a lot of my time feeling bad because I want to save people. You can support them, but you can't save them. So you need to think about that when setting boundaries, when you feel sorry for someone. What about you, Michelle? My takeaway is, is that, you know, I have ongoing work in the boundary space and it's not going to change. And that while I think I have good boundaries in place, maybe some of them need to change and be readjusted and reevaluated. So my takeaway is that boundaries aren't stagnant. They evolve and change as we grow as individuals and they change as we become more in tune with what our wants, thoughts and feelings are. And it's been an honor to be here with you two ladies. Thank you for having me. Oh, we've loved it. Rochelle? I have a few takeaways. One is hearing the different types of boundaries that there are and thinking about how each one of those deserves me to explore how I can set boundaries and what my restrictions are in living my best life. Another takeaway that I'm having an aha moment is that boundaries are self-care. Boundaries are self-love, right? This is the crux of what it is that we're trying to accomplish in our conversations. And lastly, just to reaffirm what Michelle had said is that this is a practice and it's something that I can get better at. Just because I didn't have firm boundaries yesterday doesn't mean that tomorrow or here to forward, I am a doormat. I love it. Well, if you're interested in reaching out to Michelle, you can visit her website at I. 2ecoachings.com. Michelle, again, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Do you have a quote to take us home about boundaries? I do. Love yourself enough to set boundaries. Your time and energy are precious. You get to choose how you use it. You teach people how to treat you by deciding what you will and won't accept. Yay. I love it. 